twowayradios.com, check, check. Bytwowayradios.com. Recorded almost live from Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's the Two Way Radio Show. And welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feemster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll talk about getting started in amateur or ham radio. We'll discuss what it takes to prepare for the technician-level amateur license exam, what to expect when taking the exam, and what to do after you get your license to start off on the right foot as a respected member of the amateur radio community. We'll also review the T-Rain Pro Holster case with retractable tether and take some of your questions from our blog and our forums at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by buytwowayradios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. buytwowayradios.com, your radio specialist. Okay, to start off... Let's talk about our own experiences in getting our amateur radio licenses. Okay. Well, to start off, I'll congratulate you for uh, getting your technician license. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Appreciate it. Last weekend or weekend before uh, that? Been about a couple of weeks now, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, and it was um, a long time coming, and it was uh, a very interesting experience. And not only myself, but my 13-year-old son also got his. We went did it together. That is awesome. And, um, and the experience was uh, was unforgettable. Yeah, I'm sure you're going to tell us about that today. You went about it a little differently than I did. Yeah, yeah. You actually got yours at HamFest. Yeah, we did the Charlotte HamFest trade show um, in March. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I studied a few nights before the HamFest and uh, took my test right there. <laughs> and congratulations to you, too. Yeah, I was in line with lots of other people. Well, it was um, quite an interesting experience going to take the test, but and we'll cover that too. But before we actually uh, get through that, I'd like to um, go into what it takes first to to study for the amateur license. Okay. Um, first of all, as we mentioned in a previous episode of the Two Way Radio Show, the amateur license has three levels, and what we're going to talk about is getting the technician level, which is really the first level. Yeah, that's sort of level um, one. Yeah, and that level has 35 questions uh, and, uh, on, on the exam, and they pull it from a question pool. They pull those questions from a question pool of about 396, I think, currently. And, uh, and that question pool is valid until 2014. Now, there are ways to study, and, and, and actually, you know, when we were at the HamFest, mm-hmm. There were a lot of really nice people that gave us a lot of great advice right. about taking the exam. But there was one person in particular that came up to the booth and told us specifically, you know what, don't worry about reading the manuals and everything. Just just read through the whole question pool. Just memorize the question pool. Right. The good news about this is the entire question pool is public. Yeah. So um, if you're a good studier, you can go through all 396 questions and read through them and uh, – sort of memorize the answers, and it might not take too long. 
um, if you go that route. And that was sort of his advice. He said, just go through, don't look at anything except for the correct answer. I think it's what he said. He said, cover up every answer, but the right answer, read the question, read that answer and, and go. And that probably works for a lot of people. Well, it may work for some people, but when we took our exam, I don't know if that was the case with you, but when we took ours, um, some of the questions were worded a little differently. They're the same questions, but we found some that seemed to be worded a little bit differently and were not the same A, B, C, D, uh, you know. Oh, right. I had that as well. Don't memorize the, you know, the letter of the correct answer. You want to memorize the actual answer because I, right. I believe some of the questions on mine were the answers were shuffled as well. It's all multiple choice. Right. But something that's A in the study guide may end up being C on the actual test. Well, and one other thing, too, my son brought this up. The answer is not always D, all of the above. <laughs> he found that out the hard way. Okay. <laughs> but um, seriously, folks, we're not condoning or recommending that you just memorize the question pool and forget about studying because you really need to know some of this stuff. And, um, and it's, not, you know, it's not something that's rocket science per se, um, although it can get into that arena, but there are a few things that you do need to know. Well, yeah, it, it's important that you kind of understand what it means to be a uh, licensed ham radio operator. It's, the, the study guide that I read kind of gives you an introduction to the entire hobby. And, you know, just reading and memorizing questions and answers probably isn't going to give you the same level of, of understanding. Mm -hmm. So, um it only really takes a few nights if you dedicate yourself to it to go through. And uh, I think um, the book that I used was, what, nine chapters? Well, it's uh, actually 11 chapters total. And this is the book you're talking about is the ARRL Ham Radio License Manual. And uh, we actually borrowed the book from you after you finished with it. And my son and I, I actually read almost the entire book out loud to him as we studied together. Right. And um, it actually helped us. It really did. But it's really not – you don't have to read the book cover to cover per se. It's the first nine chapters that are really the meat of it. And then the tenth chapter is the glossary, which is good to know. But if you're reading the first nine chapters, you're, you're going to get a pretty good idea of what a lot of the terms are anyway. Um, chapter 11 is the entire question pool, and that's what you'll want to study. But it's a, it's a good book. It's a good resource. I, I recommend that. I actually um, read chapters one through eight. I, I skipped chapter nine on yeah, safety. safety. It's probably not recommended. No, don't don't skip the chapter on safety. Uh, we read that one, by the way. And, uh, yeah, it's a good you chapter. You read that one first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, you got to set the example for your You'll kid. You'll have to fill me in and, and let me know what I missed there. Yeah, I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version uh, later. Okay. Um, so – you know, read the, the manual, and we actually have it for sale at BuyTwoWayRadios.com. This is the ARRL Ham Radio License Manual. Um, it's a good reference. Um, study the question pool, and it comes with a CD with practice exams on it. So you'll want to take the practice exams on the CD or go to some of the other ham radio sites that have practice exams like eham.net. Yeah, you know, I didn't. Uh, I actually didn't use the CD at all. I just used the eHAM uh, questionnaire. I, I took the test on eHAM probably ten or fifteen times before um, the night before the test, 
Um, a few people at the show actually recommended uh, QRZ.com, yeah, I believe. Yeah, that's another good site. Um, they actually take it to the next level, I believe, and let you create an account, and they will keep track of the questions that you're having a hard time with. So I, I haven't used that site personally, but it was recommended to me by several people, so that may be a good one to check out as well. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing to do is to join a local uh, ham club and check for any testing they're doing or uh, check the ARRL site uh, for details on where to take the test. Uh, now, what you, once you're prepared for this test, taking the exam, it's, uh, it costs anywhere from between $10 to $15 to take the exam. And uh, the good thing is now if you go there to take the exam, a good deal of the time and I believe this was the case at the Ham Fest, but it was also the case where, where we went, which was the uh, local ham club uh, in Rock Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't pass it the first time, you can usually retake it right there and then, uh, you know, usually during the same exam day. Right. It may cost you a little extra. Now, it, didn't, it wouldn't cost you extra. I think what they were doing is they were um, offering uh, a retake for free at the Ham Fest. I don't think they were. I think that if you wanted, if you failed a test and you wanted to retake the same test or another version of the same test, you had to pay. The, it was ten dollars at the ham. Oh, okay, that's right. That that's right. That's right. You're right. But they did have um, a thing where you you could take the second level. If like so let's say you take the technician's test, mm-hmm. you can then go on and take the general, which is level two right after the the technician at no extra charge so you could keep going so if you studied all the way up through level three and were confident and you had no license going in for ten dollars you could have just taken three tests and yeah it's like put your money on this let it ride (laughs) yeah you you could do that but if you failed one and wanted to retake it that that's where you had to pay the fee again okay so once you take the test they will tell you pretty much right away if you pass or fail. Now, in our case, it wasn't exactly right away. We had to wait around for one because we were with a group of about 25, 26 people all taking the tests. Mm-hmm. And they weren't all taking the technician exams. They were taking, um, some of them were taking uh, the ones for the higher levels. But the waiting, I can tell you for a fact that the waiting is the hardest part. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it probably took half hour or 45 minutes for me at the ham fest to get my results just because there were so many people ahead of me and they only had maybe five people that were grading the test and scoring yeah. them and that's all done by hand well they not just grade the test but they basically sent it on to another guy to check it over yeah things get, they're very checked thorough. over yeah they're very thorough about it um so when you pass the test and they'll de- now this is what happened to you <laughs> Uh, not so much me. They were a little bit more um, discreet about it with, with my son and me. But uh, at the ham fest with you, they let everybody know if you passed or failed. <laughs> yeah, there there's, was a room of maybe 20 or 30 people, I'd say, waiting on the results. And the guy would just walk out and go, uh, Bob, yeah, you failed. <laughs> yeah. So that was funny. Yeah, it was. Because uh, I passed, it was funny. <laughs> wasn't too funny to some of the people who failed. Exactly. <laughs> a little embarrassing. But uh, you, you sort of have to expect that. I mean, these guys, you know, they're, they're hams uh, in general are, are a pretty cool bunch of people. But um, the caveat to that is is that they're they're pretty laid back when it comes to things <laughs> like that. They just, uh, they're pretty open. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um. So once you pass, and let's assume everybody passes, 
um, you can begin transmitting as soon as your call sign shows up in the FCC uh, ULS database, which is um, typically uh, takes two or three days. You know, you took yours on a Saturday. I think it all depends on how long it takes the examiner to put the result or to upload the results into the FCC's database. Right. For me, uh, the ham fest was on a Saturday, and my license showed up in the FCC system that Monday. I believe yours took a couple of days longer. Yeah, yeah, it did. I think they showed up like Tuesday or, or Wednesday. But that's but, still pretty quick. It's not like you have to wait around for a week or two on a, a letter mm-hmm. to show up in the mail, although it will. You'll get yeah. a, a physical hard copy of your license at some point. Um, have you gotten yours yet? Yeah, we actually received ours a few days ago. Um, typically around 14 days is what they they allot for that. Okay. And that's what we were told about 14. Although, you know, we got ours in about eight, nine days. It really wasn't that long. Um, So after you get your license, and this is is where things really get interesting. (laughs) Once Once you get your license, you know, it's not a matter of just jumping on your radio and transmitting. I really don't recommend personally just grabbing the radio and just transmitting away. Although it would be legal to, to do so. There's no, nothing, uh, I guess, wrong with that. But uh, I'm, I'm with you, Rick. I I'd, kind of sat back and listened for a few weeks just to kind of see what, what happened on the frequencies. And, um, you know, if you're really into it, you can do that beforehand. There's nothing uh, – you don't have to have the license to listen on right. those frequencies. Yeah. So if you're um, in the process of getting your license, you know you want to get a ham license, you can go ahead and buy a radio – Set up all your frequencies to listen to the local repeaters in your area or frequencies you know other hams are using, and you can just monitor for as long as you like. As long as you're not transmitting, then um, you're fine. You can kind of go through this getting used to things process before you get the license, so then, then you're yeah. ready to go as soon as you, you show up in the FCC's database. Well, that's a great study aid. Yeah, it really is. Um, but really, we recommend that you listen a little bit to the other hams, learn how uh, they do it, and learn how to interact properly on the air with the ham community before you just jump in. Uh, it, it'll really save you a lot of um, embarrassment later <laughs> when you start <laughs> making your first <laughs> transmissions. But, you know, aside from that, you'll want to learn the lingo. And it, it's really not complicated. It may uh, sound kind of scary when you hear things like, you know, lingo and learn everything before you do but there's really not a lot to it. It's really about identifying yourself and maybe learning a few of these Q codes so you understand what other guys are saying when you hear it. Now, a lot, a lot of it's actually common sense and, yeah, and courtesy, really just common courtesy. Um, the, the biggest thing is to identify yourself with your call sign mm-hmm. um, when you first transmit and uh, every five or ten minutes or so as you're, you're communicating. Yeah, now uh, learning the lingo, uh, yeah, you want to properly – sign on and off and practice all the proper procedures and protocols, uh, but it's a good idea to learn the phonetic alphabet. Yeah, you, you will have people ask you um, to kind of spell out things, like your call sign, for example, because mm-hmm. someone may have a weak signal and you may be kind of staticky or not coming in clear, so uh, you, you may be asked to use the phonetic alphabet to um, spell out something, like your call sign. Yeah, and we're talking about the Alpha, Bravo, Kilo, Lima, that sort of thing. Uh, that's that's what we're talking about when we're referring to the phonetic alphabet. Uh, also, learn the Q signals. The Q signals um, 
are used. Uh, I I haven't heard them used that extensively in a lot of transmit uh, in a lot of. No, um, I don't hear that. Either. You'll uh, you'll hear a few every now and then, but uh, there's a chart on our website if you'd like to take yeah. a look at those. Uh, yeah, we had we do have a chart of Q signals available for free at Buy Two Way Radios, and we will have a link to the chart in the show notes in the RSS feed for this episode as well. There's one other thing that you really want to to do to get started off on the right foot, and that is to just get to know the amateur radio community, the people that are in it. Uh, you know, join the ARRL at ARRL.org. Mm-hmm. Join a local amateur radio club. Uh, get an Elmer. And we're not talking about uh, getting an elbow. You know, we're talking, <laughs> I want to be on the radio. <laughs> um, we're talking about, not that Elmer. We're talking about uh, a mentor who is a seasoned ham operator. And that's what's known as an Elmer in the ham community. Um, there are a lot of people who are willing to do that. You'll, you'll yeah. find uh, as you start getting into ham. Yeah. Get involved in some of the local club activities and events. That helps get people to know you, and, and it gives you a chance to get to know other people in the ham community. That's right. Um, contesting. That's a great way to get started. Absolutely. Uh, the DXing and all that sort of thing. Um, Tommy, my son, is really excited about getting into fox hunting. Fox hunting? Tell me about fox that. Fox hunting is where they hide. They take a radio and they hide it somewhere in an, an area. Right. And... You have to use, uh, you know, some signal strength, signal strength meter, things yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly, to find the radio and see who finds the radio first. And you usually have a couple hours, two or three hours, and and uh, uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it does. And Tommy, that's something Tommy wants to try. It's like a scavenger hunt for radio. And it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, literally, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, so that's kind of a fun activity. And, uh, you know, join uh, an amateur radio net. That's a good way to get started. Uh, the ARL Online Net Directory has a list of amateur radio nets that have been registered with the ARRL, and uh, that can help you get started. Really, the ARRL or ARRL.org is your central hub for all of this. You can go to their website and find out uh, where you can take the test in your area um, or if there are any ham fests coming up in your area. Clubs, activities, they organize a lot of the contests. ARRL is the place to start. Mm-hmm. And uh, so definitely join that when you get your license. And uh, I've even got a tip. They, I believe they actually uh, monitor the FCC's database oh, do they? Uh, for new licenses being created. Because uh, a few days after my license went in, I received a letter from them inviting me to join the club. And so did we, actually. <laughs> yeah, of think of it. <laughs> um, well, if you wait on that letter to arrive, they have some offers. Like, I believe uh, I could have gotten a free uh, amateur radio handbook or something if uh, at the time I signed up. I actually missed out on that because I joined the ARL before the letter arrived. But... Um, and, and that's almost that's almost the price of um, the uh, registration in the yeah, first place. I, I yeah, believe it's pretty it's close a, to a thirty dollar book. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so uh, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, give, give it a few days maybe before you join the ARRL, and you might get a, a sweetened offer. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty much it in a nutshell, uh, and we were just pretty much covered the basics. Of it, and we can get more in depth in another episode when we have more time. But 
uh, if you want to get started in ham radio, that's really a good way to go. Agreed. <laughs> okay. Uh, any other comment? <laughs> any anything else uh, that maybe we missed here? Uh, I think we covered it. That's that's a rundown on getting your license and getting started. Why don't you give everybody your call signs? You want to do that? I'm KK4PIL. And um, I'm Kilo Kilo 4, Quebec, November, Victor. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Okay, well, coming up, we'll review the Terrain Pro Holster Case with Retractable Tether. Is it really a secure way to carry a radio freely, or are there strings attached? We'll find out next on the Two-Way Radio Show. Searching for two-way radios? Buy two-way radios has what you need. Buy two-way radios is the source for two-way radios and radio accessories from major name-brand manufacturers for businesses and consumers alike. Buy two-way radios provides more than just great radios at a great price. We are a leading source of expert advice on the products that we sell and can assist in finding the perfect solution for you or your business. We also deliver great service. Our products are stocked at our local warehouse. This allows us to guarantee processing time and fast shipment of your order. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, Buy Two-Way Radios can help you find the best solution for you. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at buytwowayradios.com weekdays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Buy Two-Way Radios at buytwowayradios.com. Your radio specialists. You're listening to the Two-Way Radio Show. This week we're going to review a case with retractable tether from Terrain, the Pro Holster. Well, this is a new item we just recently started carrying within the last few weeks. It's the Terrain Pro Holster case with retractable tether. A uh, very durable nylon case. To attach it, you can wear pretty much anything you can strap it to. Backpacks, your belt, um, just about anything. The purpose behind it basically is to attach your radio or even any other device, your cell phone, camera, anything that will basically fit into this, uh, to this case. Um, and it attaches it to a Kevlar-reinforced cord. Um, kind of picture like the old school janitor keys on the, on the, that's what it kind of reminds me of the, the feel of it. You, you attach it and you don't have to, uh, worry about, uh, losing your, your item. Um, just snaps really, right back. Yeah. I really like the tether idea. These are the first products I've really seen that to implement this well with two way radios and, uh, terrain also makes a few, um, tether-only type products that we started carrying as well. But this kind mm-hmm. of integrates uh, the tether into a case, which I've, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, it's a rather unique product. Yeah. So you, you pull the radio out of the case, and it's it's still attached to a string. So it's great exactly. if you're going camping, hiking, something like that. You know you're not going to lose your radio. You know, fishing, any kind, of, anything where you're around the water and you're worried about dropping your radio in the water – 
you know, there are no guarantees in life, but this is a good deterrent to prevent that from happening. Right. Yeah, it's a very durable case, nylon case. Um, it's got a couple elastic straps that pull down the, to secure the radio. Yeah, tethered in, in there. I like that, too, um, to keep it in place when it's when you're not using it. Um, the stitching looks pretty good on it. It's a 36-inch Kevlar tether that attaches to the radio to the case, which, you know, that gives you a a lot of options on where to wear it. You know, if you want to wear it on your belt, if you want to wear it on your backpack, no matter where you put it other than your ankle, it's going to it's gonna stretch up to uh, where you need to, the radio to be to talk. Um, I also like that the tether part is sort of inset in the back of the case, so if you don't want to use the tether all the time, it's not going to get in the way mm-hmm. of you right. pulling yeah. the radio in or out of the case. That's really well designed. Yeah, it's a little recessed in there. And if, if your radio has a lanyard loop already on it, some models have them, most do not, then uh, you're good to go. But uh, the case also comes with a uh, piece of plastic that will stick or adhere to um, anything, any electronics, lightweight electronics, like a two-way radio. And um, so you can sort of add a lanyard loop to anything with the, the included accessory. But the uh, the case is impact resistant, which is nice. Um, it's going to secure your radio in there very well, whether you know you're carrying a business radio or consumer radio. We found that it will fit most of the consumer radios because they're usually uh, pretty small and compact, and it works with most of the business radios, um, with the exception of any radios with full keypads on the front. Um, it will limit your capabilities with that you know, covering up the keypads and whatnot. When you have the keypads on the radios, especially if the buttons are sticking out a little bit, um, you know, they're all pressing up against it. That could be an issue. Yeah. But made in the USA. Uh, that's unusual. That's unusual. Yeah. But I think I think a lot of people could get a lot of use out of this. There's a lot of, uh, we can think of tons of uses for it. That's one of the biggest reasons we started uh, uh, carrying it, give, give folks a, another option, whether they're, you know, just consumer using them as a consumer. You know, at the mall, at the theme parks, on cruises, whatever the case may be, um, hiking, um, all the way up to to businesses. Um, you know, I think something like this would be perfect for. Uh, we do a lot of business with zip lining folks that do zip line tours, and I think something like this would be. Um, you know, you're hovering a few hundred feet over jungle or woods and. Um, yeah, <laughs> doing a zip line tour, it's probably a good thing to have yeah, uh, something like this attached to your radio to keep you from dropping it into the uh, jungle there. That's probably a very good idea. But um, but twenty four ninety nine um, is what these are running. They're on our on our site, ready to ship today. And don't forget, if you enter promo code show at checkout when you purchase these, you can save an additional five percent off your order. That's right. That's right. I got that in. <laughs> Nice plug. Thanks. So do you think it's a cool little holster? It's, it's pretty neat, no doubt about it. Um, I think there's a ton of uses for it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you figure your, what you spend on some of these radios, um, you know, 25 bucks per case is, uh, you know, a, a very uh, good alternative to the, you know, losing your $300 business radio to yeah. droppage or whatever the case may be. 
Yeah, it's probably a good investment to protect the, the larger investment. That's right. Well, we have some questions uh, from our blog and our forum, that twowayradioforum.com, and the uh, first one comes from still just a beginner. And uh, he or she says, Hi, I only have some knowledge of amateur radio, but I'm considering getting involved with it because it seems to offer greater range than other forms of two-way radio communication. Here are a couple of things I'd like to know before I take the plunge and invest hard-earned cash in something that ends up collecting dust in my basement. One, what kind of effective range can I expect to get from a mobile unit, either handheld or car-mounted? And two, is it possible to achieve any kind of real privacy while broadcasting over ham radio? For instance, is it possible to encrypt a digital transmission so that only a radio program to decrypt the code can interpret it back into an intelligible audio output and that's from still just a beginner uh, well as far as range goes it's really going to depend on your equipment and the frequencies that that you're using um, if you've got a mobile unit in, in your vehicle you're probably looking at a 45 50 watt radio with an antenna so that alone is going to to give you some decent range even if you're uh, not going through a repeater or mm -hmm. something along those lines I would say um, five to seven miles um it's an estimate that, that could vary tremendously based on where you live and the, the terrain or, or what's uh, around you while you're transmitting but with amateur you can also uh usually hit repeaters in your area there, mm -hmm. there are repeaters that are um, used by amateurs across the country so if you set up your radio to communicate through a repeater you'll be able to get um 50 100 miles um, usually no problem. Especially if you're using a mobile unit uh, in a vehicle, you should be able to find a repeater close by wherever you're driving pretty much. Right. Now, if you use some of the lower frequencies, um, around 10 meters, somewhere in, in uh, that range, you can take advantage of atmospheric conditions and transmit for thousands of miles, but it doesn't sound like that's really what you're looking for, and it's, it's not really consistent. You wouldn't consistently be able to reach the same person all the time so i would say with an amateur repeater 50 miles is, is definitely reasonable okay and the, as far as the privacy issue is concerned the short answer to that really is uh, no uh yeah that that's the definitive answer you're not allowed on amateur frequencies to scramble or encode um, your communication in any way with the purpose of privacy being in mind. You, you can yeah. use certain protocols that are public to encode your signal, like that's used for data transmission. But if, if you're looking for privacy encryption, that's, that's not really an option. All right. And uh, actually, we have time for just one more, so I'm going to pull this comment here. This is a comment from Anonymous, and uh, they're responding to uh, episode 56, which was uh, uh, the update on the, uh, on the status of the uh, proposed changes to the GMRS. And they just said that uh, the interesting thing is that uh, the U.S. may follow in the direction of Canada if these proposed changes become law. GMRS is restricted. Um, and um, I don't know that I would necessarily agree with that. There are some similarities. I believe the FCC there, proposed uh, dropping uh, the power limit to two watts um, and that is the case now in Canada on GMRS frequencies yeah I, but I don't know that I would agree with it on all points no, I, some. 
I agree. There, there are some similarities, but um, I don't think they're copying Canada by, by any means. No. Okay, well, that does it for our questions and comments for this week. Send in your comments and questions for Danny, Anthony, or myself to show at buytwowayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. You can subscribe to the Two-Way Radio Show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it on iTunes, Blueberry.com, or stream it on Stitcher. Uh, Before we go, uh, any other final comments on anything we've discussed today? No, sir. No? Okay. All right. Well, today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, BuyTwoWay Radios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at BuyTwoWayRadios.com weekdays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Well, everyone, as always, thanks for listening. And until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show... I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And we're out. <laughs>